0: Okay, Dylan Clayton, part two, was actually just recording for the last 10 minutes and we got kicked offline. Obviously, we're doing this on Skype with Dylan being over in the UK. Uh, Dylan, first of all, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. And you? Good, thanks. Uh, I re-listened to uh, the last part of our last podcast that we did about three or four months ago. Uh, I think we got up to about uh, 1993. Uh, you just, I uh, think, wrapping up... Um, being on Titan and moving on to Sun. So maybe you want to uh, pick up where we left off there. Yeah, I think we
1: finished, um, at the 92, um, European championship finals, I think in Italy, uh, where Christoph introduced me to Max Comanso, who were on some bikes at the, at the time. And, um, he kind of said he'd like to me to join their team. Um, Two weeks later my my dad and I found ourselves in the south of France, sat in his office, um, going over a deal, uh, which which turned out to be uh, to be really good and obviously give me the opportunity to be a, a pro bike racer from there on in. Um, so yeah, it was a bit it was a bit weird to to have something that I've done as a as a hobby and as fun without any pressure whatsoever or was sort of a sudden putting your, your name on a line can can change that feeling well you know it can start to make you think a little bit different um, but yeah it, it turned out to be really good for you and
0: you decided because right then we was expecting you to turn you know uh super class or elite for the young guys listening super class was what the class was called back then uh, in Europe, um, you know, you was fast enough and, you know, you, it seemed like you was primed to to go into 93 in superclass and then, obviously, when your talks with Sun, the, the discussion was for you to stay down in amateur for one more year and kind of the plan was to clean house is which what you did. Um, so, was that all part of your deal with Sun? Yeah, well, that's
1: kind of what the discussion was. I had planned um, to, to move up because my dad um, and my mom had spoken about they were happy to support you for another couple of years to, to make that transition to see to see how that went um, but obviously when this came along Max was thinking of, of the brand and, his, and the brand um, brands associated with it and he, he said he'd I mean, to stay going to 18 and over category for that next year obviously to build my name and hopefully win some stuff um, which which turned out to be the case it was uh, it probably well yeah it probably was my my most successful year um, as, a, as, a, as a bike racer. But uh, yeah, it was a bit weird being uh, 18 and over expert, but actually a pro bike racer um, being being paid, paid to do it. So yeah, it was a pretty really cool year 93.
0: Yeah, I think if you've got earphones on, Dylan, maybe whip them off. I think it might be better without them. All right, cool. let's see. Let's try this while we're... Uh...
1: Can you
0: hear me? yeah I think that let's try a little bit without without the earphones so mm-hmm. I know obviously no food traveling and hanging out with you at the time uh, BMX sponsorship was pretty you know pretty low then uh, definitely in England in the early nineties and uh, you was um, you was on a really good deal with Sun where I think you got like a good bonus for every title you got right yeah yeah so that
1: was all all kind of tied into it so I I was Paid a monthly salary. Um, I was yeah paid bonuses for for winning for winning certain races and, and titles uh, and and stuff like that. Yeah, so it was it was a really a really good deal.
0: And you was racing uh, Krauser at the time as well. So um, yeah, <clears> three <throat> pre- times. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just <laughs> pulled it out for the British Championships, Europeans, and Worlds, and so obviously yeah. that helped to uh, keep the pot of gold. Um, nice, I'm sure. And I remember you—you you bought a house pretty pretty quick, right? Did you get a house in the next couple of years? Yeah, so
1: I bought um, I bought my first house, I think, when I was like, I think like nineteen, twenty, something like that. It was, uh, yeah. So my dad, this this was a thing. Obviously, my mum and dad were really keen for me to do for it to you know to uh, making a living from from doing something that I love, but to to start you know moving on, in, well moving with normal life you know like doing doing stuff like buying a house getting a mortgage all that kind of stuff so yeah um, and if i would have known <laughs> the price that i bought my first house for if i would have known what i would have sold it for i think i would have bought the whole row of the things yeah, yeah yeah i used to say that
0: to uh you know geth i don't think he bought houses back in the day but i think it was when houses were like 10, 20 grand, or something in the UK. Uh, Twenty, twenty-two grand for my for my first house. Right, yeah, it's like you yeah. could have been uh, sitting back now on a beach in uh, Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. Would have, could have, should have. Though we've all got plenty of those. Um, so that the year of Amish, obviously, uh, I don't, we might have touched on it a little bit. I know I've talked about it in previous podcasts. You know, Europeans, it seemed like no problem. You you, you doubled there and then in the, the worlds in uh, Scheindel, um, yeah. a great track over there. Um, you doubled and you beat a couple of fast. Uh, there was a bunch of fast US guys there. There was uh, Justin Green and Larry Mersch and uh, Ronnie Gasker, yeah. I think was there as well, right? In your class. Yeah, uh,
1: Ronnie no, was in the class under, under mine. Yeah, he, he raced with one year below.
0: But you beat a lot of fast guys. It was looking like yeah. it was Justin now. Justin Green had beat you the year before, right? Was that yeah, in Brazil? You know, yeah, in Brazil right, yeah, Brazil. Yeah. So it looked like another showdown, but you really had, seemed like you kind of. So tell us a little bit about the mindset and uh, Jason Richardson will like that word. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> tell us about that uh, that whole World Championships uh, over there in Dublin. There.
1: Um, so we we went straight. If if I remember correctly, we From the Euros. In, in Sweden, um, pretty much all the. The, the British guys and girls, I think, pretty much went straight um, straight from that race to Holland. I think a lot of people might have drove it. Um, so, um, I I didn't. I flew with the rest of the team, um, I think, on the, the Monday. Oh, no, I didn't fly with the rest of the team, actually, because no, I remember when I got there. Yeah, I flew on my own um, to, um, to Holland, and the plan was I was going to stay just um go to the track my parents uh, had a, had a camper and i was just going to stay with them until the team arrived probably like the wednesday thursday so when i landed in holland um i remember calling i'm not sure um i called i called my dad maybe from the airport or something and he he basically said you know Places of mud bath, it's had like torrential rain, like tents are flowing away and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you need to get on to the girl who used to look after me in France, a girl in the office called Isabelle at the time. the only one who spoke really good English. So pretty much from the same phone, I called her and she, she called the hotel where the team were due to stay. Um, and instead of going to the track, my dad knew how I, I hated mud you know that as well <laughs> um, so he she booked the hotel and I got a um, taxi straight from the airport straight to the hotel never went to was in Holland for two days before I even seen the track um, so by that time when I got there kind of I think they'd like all that straw stuff was down so it was still pretty messy but it, it, it wasn't I guess as bad as what it was a couple of days before so um, so that point it's kind of that's when that's when you're kind of thinking you know as a as someone who's not a pro bike race you're thinking oh i'm not i'm not asked i'll just go with the motions and stuff like that that's when the professional bike contract means something you start thinking to yourself well i've gotta i've gotta stay focused i've gotta you know i've gotta you know blank this stuff out i'm here here to do a job um and kind of there that's i was I got quite good at that, to be to be honest, I thought, of of dealing with dealing with pressure. You know, obviously when you're at the Worlds and you know, you know that people are coming, but it's kinda of like when you see like your your main competitor there for the first time, you know, like and obviously when they're the Americans they're all, you know, with the they've all got like the cool the cool latest bikes and stuff like that. But at, at that point it was kind of I did as well. <laughs> I was I was with you know team some chippy who was like the, the the biggest the biggest team in europe at the time with, with the best bike riders and we pretty much had everything we we needed and more um like looked after by team managers and t- team mechanics all that kind of stuff so um uh, yeah it was uh, basically i was there to do my job and i, I had to be focused so i spent very limited Time at the at the track. It was kind of just you know we we drove in we 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 practiced um, we left. Um, so I, I managed to stay. I managed to stay really focused for that weekend, and it just seemed. I remember my practice not being not feeling that good, um, um, and then kind of just had to to start pulling it together, um, and yeah managed 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 to do that. It wasn't, yeah, you know, you know as well as I do they, those things aren't, aren't easy. You know, I always tried, I think we had a conversation in the last podcast, whether it was recorded or not, about, you know, did you used to look at crowds and stuff like that? I, I only noticed that stuff after I stopped racing and watching videos. I think blanking stuff out like that is, uh, is, is something that that manages to keep you focused you know if you start looking up and thinking well look at all these people watching me i think it just adds pressure mm-hmm. um and yeah it just seemed it just everything you know, you've had you've had you've had more weekends than me where everything's just kind of just you just finished that weekend and just went nothing nothing went wrong at all right. you know or everything just fell into place and and it just felt um it just felt like another bike race at the end of the day when, when you finished it. But I'm sure at the time, it, you know, there was, there was, there was ups and downs in there, but it's, as a, as a, as a, an athlete, you you have to manage, you know, you have to manage that stuff and, you know, if you can deal with it well, you, you come out the other side. If you don't, then, you know, I've had weekends like that as well where I've not managed stuff well and it, it didn't go how, how I planned, but, um, but yeah, no, it was, uh, it was it was a super good year, ninety
0: three. Yeah, and then ninety four. Obviously, that's when you did turn super class, and uh, you know we knew you was coming. Uh, you know, obviously we still got to race you uh, in the UK and you know regional and opens, so, and I mean we was always racing something, and so we got to. We knew you was coming. Um I think that year you came in ninety four. And I think Christoph might have moved to the US in ninety four. I think ninety three might have been his last. Um, might have been his last year in the. In, yeah, the, uh, in full European, but still we had, a, we had. A, I mean, in England alone it was tough with, you know, Jamie and, and, and you know, Neil was kind of making the transition to, to the U.S. as well. But anyway, you came in the class and, uh, you know, you did really good. So maybe um, talks about, you know, 94, 95. So obviously the 94 Worlds, we all went to uh, Detroit. And then yeah. and, uh, we can talk maybe a little bit about Columbia Worlds because that was actually, uh, people might like this little story, that was actually the first official, uh, national team, weren't it, when me, you, Jamie, yeah. Cynthia, Bill Bags, uh, I think Vicky Overson and Scott Beaumont went over to uh, yeah. Columbia with our GB t-shirts and stuff.
1: Yeah, that was the first um, official world-class performance programme it was called, wasn't it, yes. um, trip, yeah, with, uh, with Cynthia and Carol and, uh, and Bill as well. Um, yeah, so those two years were, they were probably the toughest two years of of my BMX racing, I think just making that that transition um from, from amateur into into that into superclass, you know, already having a year like and especially coming off the back of a such a successful year, you know, knowing that the next few years weren't weren't gonna be that at all. Um, and I very quickly found, especially when we went to Europe, um, I remember you know, like probably like first I can't remember where my first European race was. I'm sure it was Holland, I think.
0: Probably Duty was Dutica. always the first. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah.
1: And I remember, you know, being in pre staging instead of being with like Vincent Allier, Michael Clayton, those kind of guys. I was stood like with with Bass and Wilco and obviously you, you know but obviously I was used to you, Jamie, like Neil Rebs and stuff like that. Obviously from the UK, so it was probably like five of us in a and a few of us every now and again so it, it wasn't that difficult to transition in, in, in the, like the british national series if you like but europe was definitely a big a big shot i remember um i think rob bolton hit me in a turn um it maybe turned to the 180 turn at the end of that like second straight um and i remember him hitting me and it was like and, and kind of thinking, oh, I, I need, I need to be bigger. Like, uh, like, pretty much got played. Um, you know, they toyed, I got toyed with for for the first first six to eight months. Pretty much, they, you lot knew I was coming, and there was a few big bike riders in there who, who certainly let me know that um, that I wasn't I wasn't going to have it my own way. Right. Uh, so yeah, very much made the the transition. um, into into training properly which I'd never really I'd never really done before we've had conversations about this before about you know you know I I think I'd just been through the first podcast is all the really fun stuff starting out in 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 bike racing and finding BMX and stuff like that but this was this was the part of where it it began to get real Um, and it was you know sprints gym three times a week probably less time on the bike uh and and doing more stuff away from the bike which obviously you know i'm a i'm an out and out bike rider so that that was that was quite difficult um but again you just gotta you gotta deal with it you gotta do it if the you know i was still hungry so i wanted to be i wanted to get to the top as a pro bike racer so 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 yeah i did I, i did the work i uh you know, put the miles in out on the road in, in winter, um and um, and worked worked really hard in the gym. Um had a had a personal um you know strength and conditioning coach who I think sent a message after the last podcast, um Dave Eric Rupe <laughs> Um he, Where did he, how he's...
0: did you hook up with him then? Was that through um GB. So he was uh, he was
1: he was in that scene um, when um, that when I first got into BMX, like the three sisters bike rider. He he had an original loop tail PK Ripper. He was a, he was an out and out BMXer. Still, when we see each other now, we just talk BMX constantly all the time. He absolutely loves it. He's got a crazy bike collection, um, and and yeah, he, he lives he lives like ten minutes from me. But he'd 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 stop bike riding then and he got into, so he was into, um, like weightlifting and and working out and just basically being, being fit and, and was, um, was, was my, turned into my strength and conditioning coach. You know, we were in the gym three times a week uh, and he really, uh, really pushed, pushed me to, um, to the limit, which, you know, when you're in that squat rack, you you need somebody, you need somebody there to, uh, to encourage her, so yeah, he was, he was a big part of it.
0: Yeah, and then so maybe Columbia Worlds, let's talk about that a little bit so we went to, I think we went from Bournemouth National, I think we went straight from um, there with Cynthia Tookers and I remember we travelled for uh, uh, like 30 hours or something I think to get there and then um, yeah,
1: well, I, didn't, remember I, didn't, I didn't travel with you guys I, um, because it was the whole the whole thing of um, this is when late like, um, country jersey's first first started to come around and we were obviously with the, with the british cycling world class performance program and they were they were you know they were happy to pay for us to to go um, where there was this debate about jerseys and i remember max saying you know um well i I was paying for you to go anyway world championships i wanted to use my jersey in the end i think that was the last world where we didn't where we actually didn't use um, country jerseys i think it came in the year after so i went i went with um with team sun and um you guys arrived after me and then i um the accommodation um at the if you remember like that it's like a city within walls that place and i remember like the accommodation there wasn't wasn't that good and my manager at the time i'm jean-luc ferrari son. Uh, you guys came and you stayed in the hotel and um cynthia um kind of said and carol said you know why don't why don't you come and join us if you're not if you're not happy uh, there because they like book like these like kind of little houses and things there but the food and stuff wasn't great where well, the hotel was a was a lot was a lot better the food was better obviously the the rooms with air conditioning and all that kind of stuff so i joined i think we shared a room actually in the end um, yeah so that yeah that was a. You know when you, have, I remember. you remember? I remember getting to Bogota Airport. You know, I'm, I'm guessing it's miles different now. But you're talking early 90s. I think, you know, Colombia is a, a bit of a different place now. I'm guessing where the, the world's where the other year, it looked like it was very cosmopolitan, but it, it definitely wasn't like that when when we arrived there. Um,
0: we well, the race, a, race we itself a, was... We had crazy. a police escort, we did, from the... We got on the bus when we got off yeah. the plane, and we a bunch of BMXs, yeah. and the uh, police escorted everybody in. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying, it's, you know, it's,
1: it's a very different place then. Um, uh, and we, yeah, the, the, the track... I remember the track tra- being really cool, like, really, really um, Florida, kind of Orlando, orangey kind of clay. Yeah. In a cool setting. I remember, like, it, it kind of being, like... Up in the up in the mountains, so you can see all like it like rainforesty kind of stuff. I remember the army looking at like kind of the security. I think was was for the whole for the whole place. Um, I remember they like had a like a cordon around the track. I remember up in the mountains you could see like there was there was army presence up there, like guarding the event. I guess, um, but yeah, the race was. I remember that race, looking at that race going, this is going to be tough. Obviously, Columbia, it was only all all the big guys, kind of like pro bike riders, if you like. So like what, like the GT dudes, like Gary. Um, Charles was on, um, was on Robertson at the time, I think. You know, obviously there's there's some guys, you. um, I'm trying to think who else. I remember. uh, Danny Nelson and uh, Allie. Allie, yeah, yeah, so it was. And then you obviously the Dutch guys like Bass, Wilco, all those guys. So it was, I remember that race being I really... Du- I don't think the Dutch won. i, I, I yeah, thinking about that now. I don't think yeah, they did. The
0: Dutch, I don't know for some reason. the Beaver, why didn't you guys go? But I, I seem to remember yeah. they didn't. There was Brian Colgrove, and I know he'll listen to this. He listens to all the podcasts. And he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He made the main. Brian, um, he, mess-
1: he messaged me the, um, a few weeks ago. We had, a, we had a bit of a chat. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, he's a big podcast listener. So shout out to Brian. Yeah, um, so he he was in the main, and yeah, for some reason the Dutch didn't go. So I, well, there was two groups, but real two tough tough motos to to make the main. And I think in the main there was uh, three English: me, you, and Jamie. Then yeah. there was Christoph and Thomas, and then there was uh, Gary Ellis, uh, Thunder Dan, and Brian Colgrove. So yeah, that made up the uh, eight. Townsend didn't make it. He was like the biggest guy that didn't uh, didn't get I through.
1: I remember. I think it was bet- it was between me. And, and Charles for that last spot, right. and if I remember correctly, I think I might have passed him down the last street. <laughs> Obviously, Charles was a bit older than me then, he was he was coming towards the end of his time, and he was uh, maybe not maybe not <laughs> as strong. I remember him blowing in, in the last one, and I think I passed him down the last street. I think he uh, I think he cursed me at the finish line if I remember. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I remember him making a noise like right. well. that. <laughs> Trap was long, and it yeah. was hot and, hot and humid as well. So it was pretty, pretty tough going.
0: Yeah, yeah. Then obviously, I don't know what. what went to you in the main? You got like fifth,
1: six. Uh, six, I think. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I got last. I hit the gate and then uh, slid out. Yeah. You know, just not, just not, not good. But yeah, then. And if anybody was interested in the results, it was uh, Christoph won. Uh, Ellis got second and uh, Jamie got third, so um yeah. that was uh Columbia. That, um
1: race to say the least that one definitely.
0: Yeah. And um all right, so there's no, no, a, a t- cool t- picture
1: there's a cool picture from that in BMX Plus. I think Christoph um like power wheeling out of a turn, I think I'm behind him. And then you and then well, you are you are in third.
0: Yes, I remember that one, yes it is floating yeah. around, into. it? I've seen that one, yeah. yeah it's uh yeah because obviously bmx and there's quite a few pictures from that race and i've got the issue the bmx plus issue of that world report and there's a little little uh sidebar with uh, me you and jamie being the english dudes there uh um, yeah, yeah. so then we'll move into let's talk a little bit about because i know a lot of uk people listen to this so let's uh so let's talk about the next couple of years i so mean you had uh then it went to like 96 and i was still living in the in the UK I spent the winter a little bit in the US but I came back and Jamie had already moved over to US and got on Haro so I remember that's what me and you really battled every week you know from yeah. regionals to nationals to Europeans and then obviously worlds as well so we re- I think we probably really I mean 96 97 was my best years and uh, you know I think 96 was probably the fastest I would say I mean you tell me I would say fastest you was as well right yeah i think
1: that uh, you know we
0: were
1: we we obviously we've seen Christoph go, we've seen Jamie go, and I think we really started, you know, start to think of the opportunities that that we could have, and worked worked really really hard um, to to get to get to that level. And obviously, you and I raced each other pretty much every weekend.
0: Even I mean, in the week, yeah. I mean, we went. Remember, but we'd go to crew and we'd do. I mean, I, I was like, yeah, almost yeah. felt like I was dating you or something. We'd do gates twice a week, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> crew, and then yeah. the then again the weekend. So we really, but I think it really helped. We helped each other, you know. Definitely, yeah, definitely
1: I agree. Um, yeah, we'd so we'd go to crew with with uh, with Bob Fields there pushing us on with the megaphone. We had a good crew there, <laughs> yeah, some strong, yeah. strong, guys. And like you're saying, we'd, you know, that well, how long was how long would it take you to get there?
0: I would drive, it would take me probably an hour and a half because there's no motorway. Yeah. It's always just across, across. I'd go through Stoke, I'd pick up Marco on the way. And, yeah. uh, but I would leave my house at probably like, you know, two, two in the afternoon and get there, for, you know, yeah. and then get home at 10, 10, o'clock at night. But it was such a good session. It was totally worth it for me, you know. And uh, we said there was you. and all the, there, all the riders there
1: like really pushed each other as well. Yeah, like, dog
0: like, and yeah. Sean Field. The Murrays would show up sometimes. And. Uh, yeah. Reedy. I mean, it was just always a good, good session, and obviously uh, Sean, Sean Field, and obviously Bob just really pushed us, you know. And I, I, I knew it really helped me go in there, you know. Definitely, yeah, because
1: we were doing obviously like all the strength and conditioning stuff then, you know, and and also you know really high intense uh, like like bike sessions as well, mm. like loads of race scenario stuff. Not like now where you see like you know, everything's, everything's time, transponders, all that kind of stuff, where we would just, like, rack them up, eight on the gate, let's, uh well, let's see, you know, I, I remember yeah. we had that, we, you know, we were having that talk, like, on the gate, like, leaning forward, like, looking at each other, going, you ready for this? Yeah, you <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: we'd call our racers, wouldn't we? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah,
1: yeah, so, um yeah, that, that they were definitely the strongest, strongest years for me. Yeah,
0: well. no, me too. I definitely agree. And then obviously the Europeans, I mean, you, uh, I think you doubled. That's, uh, that's another weekend I, I think you just, nothing went, nothing, nobody could touch you. And that's when Thomas was really, you know, we battled with Thomas a lot that year as well in yeah. Europe. Yeah. Uh, but you doubled in uh, the English round, which was uh, Bournemouth, right? Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. Actually, that might have been a year after, but you was anyway, you were super fast there, but obviously the European finals, so there was between me and you for the overall, and I think I had a little bit of a cushion where I could get top three, which is still not easy in a European round, uh, yeah. but you doubled that that weekend, right? It was in Switzerland, where they actually still ride there, I see.
1: i seen uh, Liam put a video on of, uh, of uh, a bike race there where he took his, his UCI uh, riders earlier the other week. I sent him a message saying, I'm oh, I had a pretty good weekend. there. Yeah, it
0: was untouchable there. It was. Uh... The, um, they so they did a
1: time trial for the very first time, didn't they? at that, that bike race. Oh, so playing... you know they. I just Yeah, yeah. They did, didn't they? I don't know why they did yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, they just out of the blue. I remember just like yeah, this. You know, we're going to run this time trial thing, like one. You know, I like just one bike rider at a time against the clock. Um, you won
0: that as well, right?
1: Yeah. So I won that, and then. Yeah, it was one of the definitely one of those weekends where it just everything, all the pieces just fit together and just nothing, nothing, nothing goes wrong. Yeah, so just a perfect weekend. Like I said, in the the battle for um for the title between you and I, mm-hmm. um, so you need to, I think you needed to get third. I remember I remember turning turning around when I come across the line. And did, that, did you did you pass someone right at the end for that third, I think? I, I think got
0: just, uh, one of the days I passed Thomas in the first turn and then uh I think I just kinda yeah, you was gone both days. It was one of those super uh the track was, was really fast, like high fast, speed, fast. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, like a second straight that table,
1: you'd like pedal like pedal wheelie across the top yes. and down the back side. Remember thinking like like seriously fat there was a big double after that as well. Yeah.
0: Real good. Yeah, there's some footage of that somewhere. I know I've seen it at some point somewhere. So,
1: um, so Robert the Wild was coming into play as well. Yes, that, exactly. Uh, he was um, trying
0: to get good one too. Yeah, yeah. I think so, his yeah, spin wheels held him fun. back a little bit that year.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so Europe was still a big, uh, big hitters at that point.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And then, obviously, we went into, uh, obviously, I mean, you had been racing all year, and in, in, in Nationals just going back and forth. It would always come down to the third main. You know, I'd win the first main, or you would, and then the other one would win. It would always be the third main. So, I think, yeah, by by time we got to Brighton, and then, we, you know, I've, I don't like talking about Brighton too much, because I just wore it out. Um talking about it, post, <laughs> posting pictures about it. But it was like, you know, and you know yourself, it was like, oh, shit, when it was, was going to, you know, even before the race, Jamie was fast as heck there, and yeah. What was like was all probably without even saying it to each other. Like wow, it's like it's going to be between the English dudes, you know. Obviously, there's still a lot of fast, but obviously, especially when we got to the main, I'm like shit. Dylan is the guy to beat, you know. So um, one, <laughs> one question, question I, <laughs> one question I get a lot from a lot of people, and I think we used to call it smooth power. And uh, I've, again, I've mentioned it so many times that you would not get the greatest first pedal, but your acceleration and your circles. We're so good, and I've, again, said it, said it so many times. Um, you're the only guy, you know, uh, that I could, that, that Jamie and Christoph would could beat out the gate, but you could catch him back up. You know, I've never never, never seen anybody do that in Europe, you know. and uh, So tell us a little bit about the, um, I think Paul Grotbeck calls it that more than anybody, the smooth power. So how did you, uh, yeah, give us the insight on that? Because I get asked that quite a bit about you as well.
1: I think so, so obviously now being um, like a talent development coach we I, I, I look at I look at things like this a lot, like the detail of stuff um and I don't know why I, I I have my feet different than than a lot of people so I kind of ride like on the front of my feet pretty much, so like um my toes are just over kind of over the end of the pedal, so just you know you're talking probably maybe two centimetres. Further, further back than than. So my my heels are two centimeters further back than most people. So it's kind of like really on the on my tiptoes, and and I think I think that helped me be able to um so to to scoop like obviously clip pedals now. That's that's like the key to to be the you know eliminating those dead spots like under stroke over stroke kind of stuff. Um, And I think I it's something I, I was. Conscious of, I used to do interval sprints with, with my dad, or um, by three sisters track when I was younger, and he always he he mentioned this to me. He's like, you know, it doesn't look like a good circle. You know, we need to we need to try and make that circle better. So we kind of come up with this thing about like scooping, um, scooping the pedal like under. So that that was something I I I'd done from a very very early age. Um, whereas like when that when you're when you're pushing down as you get to the bottom of that stroke. It's kind of like I point my point my toes towards the ground so I, I can push. So you know you do a bunny hop. So like when the front wheel comes up and as you're about to scoop the back end off the ground, you scoop with your feet. Yes. you've got to, you've got to point your toes to the ground. So I pedaled like that as well. I remember I remember going to the university, the University of um, BMX thing with Garrett in Florida. And I remember doing a sprint session over the back of the track out in the park. Yeah. And, and he had, he had me do a demonstration and, and pointed that out, pointed to say, look, look where he has his, look where he has his feet. It was normal for me. Yeah. I've done, I've done it to, to a, from a very early age, but I think that was what helped me accelerate more. Cause you know what it's like, you know, they, they work on that massively now, obviously with clip pedals and stuff like to, to be aggressive and pull, like pull, pull under and pull across into that second, third, fourth panel. Um, but then, you know that like, you know technique and 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 coaching points to technique were weren't a thing. We were just we were just bike riders figuring yeah. figuring stuff out that worked. But obviously, you know Garrett, very very intelligent, knowledgeable BMX guy. He he, he obviously he seen that and, and had me had me do it for a bunch of other riders. Um, I think Dennis Casmata asked the question about that about asking about feet feet position. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean that really like I say work for work for you. I mean you knew it as well. You could come out, you know, bite length behind and still catch up at legit, you know, any of us, you know. And uh, so it was always if only, I gave my, if only if I I gave my
1: gate technique as much work as it did on that pedal <laughs> circle. <Yeah. laughs>
0: Because like, huh. I think Craig Reynolds is a little bit, bit like you as well, but he did a yeah. lot of rollers. I, I seem to um, reading about and I think he's told me as well. Did you do rollers or uh... uh, no?
1: So I did a uh, a thing. So my my dad had a friend who was um, who was a road cyclist who he was part of like uh, one of the road cycling clubs in, in Liverpool where um, the one where Chris Baldwin came out of, and and he asked about stuff, uh, about what they did and th- anything they could do with he- This was when he started to talk about the pedaling circle, my dad. So he, he kind of went out and seen whether he could get some more information from someone. And, and they do this thing called, um, they call it twiddling, where it can be done on rollers or it can be done on an exercise bike. So it's just kind of sitting. So just if you imagine an old school exercise bike with a like a speedo, but it's just a needle that says like one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, so sense. pretty much just sit, you know, on that on that for for thirty minutes. Right. And have that needle, you know, so the heart rate's up slightly. But it's more about just that circle and getting your your feet to do that to do that motion as you come to the bottom. You point your toes and you like you kind of just scoop and scoop under, scoop over. So kind of yeah, did did that quite a lot, um, which I'm guessing which I'm guessing helped with 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 that with that peddling circle as well. Um, But yeah, rollers with uh, with Craig will be absolutely the same thing.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you really just to do my edit on that. I'm like, how the hell can, <laughs> like, he not get a good gate? But unless you can get over on him, like, he's, he's going to, like, you had Christoph, Jamie Staffpool, you know, which is, uh, yeah, just always, uh, like, everybody, you know, I get asked that a lot still, like, man, he was so good, you know, his circles were so good, you know. Um, yeah. so let's talk about the next couple of years so then 97, 98 97, I don't, I don't know if you had an off a year, but in 98 you got third of the worlds in Australia on that so when we were doing two laps um, so yeah, yeah, maybe tell us about those couple of years, you know I, think yeah, I, don't know, 90, I can't remember the, the year, where was the worlds the year before Australia? 97 was uh Canada that was it. So I think I was kind of in between England and America then. I came back and did a few in yeah, the yeah. Europe. That's when Thomas really kind of killed it. Um, yeah. That 97, yeah. I, no, I won the European in 97, but Thomas was coming fast. And then 98, yeah. Thomas just yeah. destroyed it, you know. Um, yeah. but, but you were still in there, you know, with thirds and, you know, podium and stuff. And like I say, you got third at the podium at uh, Worlds in Australia when uh, yeah. when Thomas won.
1: I remember we'd been on a big, that was a big trip for us, that kind um, that of world, I think we we went out for a, for a month before, and, and I think like three there was race, a lot of... Pre-World Cup, uh, was a World Cup. Yeah, I did the ABA World, I did the ABA World Cup, um, yeah, and I think I, I remember having a bit of a flat year, kind of starting to think, you know, am I going to... Am I going to be able to make like make this and and kind of stuff like that? So, yeah, I think that was a bit of a tough year. So, not not the best results. I think Jamie passed me in the last straight for fourth, maybe in the quarter um, at, at, in, at that Worlds there. Then I went to, I think the yeah I went to the ABA World Cup. Um, I remember um, race. So like so Harry Leary and Eric Roop and those guys were still. Were at that race, I remember Eric Roop saying hi to me, and I was just like, I remember bunking off school to watch him race at the Kellogg's at Three Sisters when I was when I was young, and I was like, he said hi to me, you know, and it was like I was buzzing on that. Um, it was
0: it was, um, it was a UCI World Cup. I remember that's when they started doing it in '97. I think ninety no, I think it was the ABA World Cup. You
1: know, I'm sure um, it was that they did. I'm sure it was. Yeah, it was because I've got so they did a time trial there as well, Right. and I I oh, won that time trial. And I, I remember um, I've still got I've still got a check somewhere it says the fastest man on the planet um, and then I got my ass kicked in the race. Um, yeah, so so yeah, uh, time trial I was good at because I, I didn't I didn't have a first pedal um, but but double a double a racing, um, you needed definitely to have a first pedal or you were getting getting shut down. um yeah, but I think I was in that trunk like in a bit of a period of thinking, you know, can I do it, do I want to do it? I was young, I was young, I've thought about this a lot after, like, kind of after I stopped of, you know, that question I get asked all the time, why did not you go to America, I was still younger than, you know, younger than everybody else, and was kind of, you know, still a bit immature, if you like, and just wasn't ready to, to do that kind of stuff, but yeah, the year after, I kind of got my mojo back, and did all right, yeah, I went to the, went to Australia, um, I remember that being a fun trip, real fun trip,
0: yeah, I that remember, was the one where we raced the, the UCI World Cup the week before. I think me because that was another kind of a national teamy thing well, as well, you know. And we were
1: all um, we were all being told about uh, Warren Stevenson. I remember that.
0: That was it. Yes, he was the junior. Yes, yes. And then well, we watched because that 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 pre that UCI World Cup the week before the Worlds. It was a super out, you know, typical Australian track, wide open and power. Yeah and he's actually slabby Slabigang actually won, I think. He beat us yeah, all. Um, yeah. and uh but Warwick was the junior Australia kid and we was I remember watching, I'm like, Jesus Christ, this dude's good. Yeah. You know? Fast. He, he looked the, I remember like
1: his first straight I think we were stood together yeah. and I remember going, Holy shit, like he, yeah. he looked he strong and fast, yeah.
0: Right. And then obviously he went on to get third the next uh, the next week behind Thomas A won, Uh, Andy Contes had a good one, he got second, and then uh, you got third, so that was
1: a... I think I avoided the crash, I think Neil crashed in the first turn, I think, didn't him, I I kind of avoided that, So
0: Robert, uh, the main was, uh, 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 like I say, Thomas won, Andy Contes, Uh, you got third, I got fourth, and I think Danny Nelson and uh, Afro Bob crashed in the first turn, that kind of caused a bit of... Um, yeah. Thing I, I can't remember who else was in that main. There's an Australian kid I think you put someone on the, and you you passed him down the last straight. I seem to remember on the video yeah v- it was yeah yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah I remember that someone someone posted that video not so long ago. Right. I forgot all about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I remember that it
1: was um so yeah indoor as well. It was tight that track wasn't it? It's was like yes. crossover between two. Remember it that first two and be real really skinny as well. Yeah, um, I remember. You know, when you talk about these things, and we were saying last time like, like things flash back. I remember being behind because obviously because it was in that stadium. There was like those big, massive black curtains that black that backed off that blocked off like the pre-staging area. And yeah, it for
0: the school play, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we had to come through those. We had to like open those curtains to get get to the gate. I remember coming through, like lining up for the final, coming through those curtains. Yeah. Um, um, the yeah that was a bit of a weird bike race that but i remember it being a good trip i remember going um shopping for um for uh records for stevenson so neil had been asked by stevenson he was into is that australian band We got the tattoo on him right is it radio bird man or something like that <laughs> We're, we we went like we went to like Fifty record stores around Melbourne City and Australia um, searching for all these these records for um, and got them and on the way back I remember, I think it's Central Station, like the big famous um, train station on the corner in, in Melbourne and there's like a an Englishy looking pub um, across the road from it and like Neil kind of gave me that Neil look, as if to say should we, because uh... this was like you know, there was still probably a week to go before the race. Okay. And Neil's like, shall we, uh shall we have uh, just like moving his head, like nudging towards it. <laughs> so we ended up going in there and Neil as Neil would. Um, we, uh, we got a little tipsy. I, I remember turning back up at the hotel, walking into reception as I think team USA were coming down for dinner. I think you guys were already having dinner and Neil just like started getting wild in the, in the reception, and we, Cynthia and Carol gave us our marching orders to our rooms, <laughs> and uh, we're, we're not we're not happy. So yeah, I well and truly got kneeled on that on that day. Got dragged got dragged in.
0: <laughs> uh, those trips were always uh, good um and then moving into the next couple of years so we kind of you know you was kind of the last man standing in the uk and i can't remember if it ended with sun then you kind of went into the next couple of years and i think Pashley and then you started you know it's kind of you and kelvin then at least in england right
1: yeah so um so yeah the sun thing ended with a bit of drama to be honest so obviously that that company was getting super big. I think it had been, like, the biggest bike company in France for, like, the previous three years or something like that. So I'm guessing he was bringing in, you know, a lot of shareholders and and stuff like that. And pretty much they started to disagree. You know, Max Max's stuff was – the brand was always built on the bike riders that rode the product. You know, they didn't really advertise in magazines and, and whatnot. So they started to disagree. Like, in that team at that time, like, you know, they were the top – um, the top mountain bike cross-country team, like Miguel Martinez, the top um, downhill team, Francois Gachet, Nico, Nico Ancaro, Cedric Garcia, you know, like all the, the BMX team were, were all the top guys. And, and all of a sudden, I remember getting, it was a fax, no email back in the day, <laughs> um, with like a, a big, big thing saying they'd separated the company into some, like the company and Team Sun was now a separate a separate company, um, and about four four or five weeks after that, uh, got a, a random call from like Isabelle in the office saying Max had parted with the company, uh, and apparently it turned out that they just uh, disagreed with what he wanted to do, and he just basically stood up in a in a meeting and just went you know what you can have it and and walked out and left. And that, that was it and then they the they I don't know who they are like the, the shareholders or whatever was were running it and yeah very shortly after that I didn't receive um, a salary payment and called and it was like yeah well you, it's just there's, there's been an issue blah blah this and the following month I didn't, uh, and then I remember my, my credit card bill didn't, well, hadn't, been, hadn't been paid, and then I, I missed another month's salary, and then I got, yeah, I got the the message to say that they'd, they'd folded Team Sun, some company was still going to be running and making bikes and producing bikes, but they folded Team Sun, and all the bike riders were, contracts were, like, cancelled as of then, which was, like, a big, you know, a big thing at that time, thinking, whoa, you know, I've been, I've been with them for a long time, you know, they've been looking after me, you know, I'd bought houses, you know, and, and, and started to, to live the life of that, and then all of a sudden it was just gone within, within reading a a paragraph of a fax that came through, so yeah, it was a big, it was a big, big change that, I remember um, Fox, kind of supported me for a little while I remember turning up at a bike race on my blue sun with all the stickers taken off it in just an all black fox kit and that was the first kind of thing everybody knew about it and then yeah I went to I went to Pashley was, was Gunner uh, like the Pashley guy?
0: sorry? was like Gunner the, the Pashley guy?
1: Um, no it was a guy uh, a guy called Nick Larson who who's yeah, the creator yeah, yeah. of Charge um Charge Bikes um, so he was the, the driving force behind that the marketing guy for, for that brand. So they, they started to make mountain bike trials frames for two brothers, Matt and Eddie Tong, who were like real top mountain bike trials riders. And then the Fortes had, um, had, had got involved with them as well. And then, yeah, they, uh, Rick, uh, Leo and Toby and Kai's dad, I think had mentioned to them. I think the guy who won the company was called Adrian. He... Uh, he he was interested so yeah we went from there and obviously it was nowhere near as the salary like like what some paid um uh, but yeah they they paid me Uh, i did some other stuff for them like you know like attended like bike shows and 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 did stuff there and like it was there was a little bit of work involved with that as well um but yeah so that that was the next the next stage um um, yeah, why, you, why you
0: said the Pashley? Something we should touch on a little bit because I don't think we spoke about it. You you did a bit of mountain biking with Sun and I know you like say you just said with with Pashley. I remember the bike shows and stuff, but you were really good at mountain biking as well. And I remember uh, slalom where they used to have that UCI World Cup cross country race down in the southwest. They would uh, they would put on a legit slalom race, um, yeah. and I remember you won that, right? Didn't you beat some yeah. not, some some good guys, right? Yeah, so th- there was um well, I think Ponton and a well, bunch of dudes.
1: Tim Ponton were, were the two guys in the in the main um for that. But uh, I'm trying to think. Uh Karim I think was in that was in that race. He was top French mountain biker at the time. Um, I think did you race that? Oh, yeah, I, I
0: sucked at slalom. Yeah, it was as good as my downhill. Oh, you know, I needed a oh, gate.
1: I'm not sure if there was any American guys or anything there. But no, um, like
0: legit English, uh, you know, um, yeah, you guys that were doing slalom and, and stuff, yeah. and then that's when mountain biking was good. And then you won a downhill national as well, didn't you? I was there when yeah. you won that.
1: So, yeah, so obviously when Sun started to make downhill bikes, uh, Max was keen for us to try out some different stuff. So, yeah, I remember getting, he sent me like the full-on downhill biking, race a few downhill you beat, uh, nationals. You I, beat,
0: I was there. You beat Steve Pete in a national. Yeah, yes, yeah. so I can't remember where that was. It was um, like, yeah, Hopton Woods or something. I, I, it was in Sheffield, I don't know, somewhere up north. Um, yeah. But I remember yeah, so, being there.
1: So this was one of the first... So I remember going like to one of the first ones in Wales, like Ben Gellert or something like that, and I was on this full suspension bike. So Steve... Was still on corner at the time, like riding a rigid uh, hardtail, rigid forks. It was just, you know, it, there was like maybe two downhill bits in it and like loads of fire road and uphill bits in it. So that, that some mountain bikes suck for that. But I remember the 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 bike, the one that I won, I think it was quite a short course. So obviously suited as BMX is better. I remember it being quite all downhill. So these, this full suspension bike obviously was built for that. Um, and yeah, I, uh, uh, I, I, won. I mean, you were trying to trying to get, obviously, BMX had started to, you know, the English scene. And obviously, that's why you were making that, that choice to, to get to America and stuff like that. But we were trying different things, just trying to keep, you know, trying to keep
0: it. Uh, yeah. Well, that's where we kind of met Steve and <laughs> Titley and everybody. And, uh, you know, Pagey was doing what a new Pagey but he was he was doing it. It was like, for us, it was like a fresh uh, new scene and a bunch of cool guys to hang out with, you know, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: It was um, yeah, it was good times, and obviously we got to to meet all them guys as well, which was which was really good.
0: Yeah, that's cool. But I say you was, yeah, you really excelled at that as well. I'm sure you could have gone further if you, you know, we, I think I I didn't have to make the decision because I just were not good at it. But you probably really um, yeah, you could have probably gone that route think, as well. I think the biggest
1: thing for me at that, I was still I, I, I was like obviously having to make money. And I remember, I remember talking to my dad, and my dad's going, "Well, you can either be, you, you know, you're obviously going to need a bit, m- you need more endurance to race this downhill stuff. So that's going to affect your strength for BMX stuff." He said, "So you need to decide whether you want to be like kind of average at two things, or really good at really good at one thing." Which obviously BMX was the thing that I, I kind of knew I was good at. So yeah, I think that's why that. Because I remember racing some World Cups, I remember racing like Cap Dye and stuff like that. And those courses like three minutes long and just, you know, BMX, of 40 second sprint, mm. a 40-second sprint, a three-minute bike race, I was absolutely spanned like a third of the way down. So, yeah, that, that kind of stopped that pretty much.
0: <laughs> your dad was a, probably an instrumental. Cause say it was all, if you're watching the old videos, you always hear your dad, you know, shouting, you know, shouting mm. for you and cheering. It was, it was a huge part of, you know, and we all knew your dad well. So got yeah. to, you've got to give them a lot of credit for, uh, yeah, you know, pushing you and helping you, right? Oh, definitely, yeah. That's, you know, they,
1: it's only when you get older, and I explain this to bike riders who I work with now, you know, like when we, when we like debrief at the end of like talent sessions and stuff like that, I'm always like, make sure you thank your parents, you know what I mean? They're the people that are paying for the stuff, paying for you to get to bike races, doing, you know, doing all this work. Um, So so you can so you can enjoy what what you're doing, you know, and and I think, you know, there's parents all over the world that sacrifice a a lot, you know, not not even just for BMX, but for 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 all the kids. But I think, you know, when you truly see the cost of, you know, so when I'm when I'm, you know, kind of in this Pashley era where I'm, I'm kind of having to book hotels, book flights. Um, travel, you know, put fuel in the car and stuff. You only truly start to see the expense, you know, that a national weekend cost, Let alone, you know, there's going to be 15 of them in that in that year. So yeah, he was massively instrumental, and obviously, like the support as well. For, uh, you know, the the um, like yeah, the emotional support, the medical support, obviously from parents like my mum and um, my dad as well was a huge, massive part of it. But the, the other thing as well, you know, if you're my dad probably the same. I remember very few really pushy parents from our era. You yeah, know, no, uh, it
0: was very mellow. All our parents were friends well, as well, weren't they? It was a scene for them, were not it? Yeah, yeah. My dad was never,
1: you know, I never remember him like shouting at me, you know, for not doing well or anything like that. You know, he just he would just say, you know, it's done, now it's gone. Mm. You know, if you learn from it, then then that's it. As long as you know, as long as we, as long as we give a hundred percent, they were, they were they were happy with that. So yeah, that's. That, that was a huge thing and uh, it's a huge thing now because it's very it's very different
0: now <laughs> well it helps with the longevity like say we went it was like we were in it for a long haul which we're still in it really yeah. but um and i think that helps a lot when you you know you we've all seen the parents that are pushy and the kid you know the crying and the you gotta win and but you see this you see the recycle yeah. of those people come and go you know where i think uh yeah, our era that seemed like the parents were very mellow and enjoyed it and were part of it as well. I mean, we were, you know, we hung out with your dad. You know, he was, he was in there yeah. with, with, you know, with some of the stupid stuff we all did. Um, yeah. So I think that helps with the longevity, you know. And uh, yeah, I think it definitely goes a long way, doesn't it? Yeah, oh,
1: definitely. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's um, it, it's it's cool when you look back on it now to think, you know, it really was really really enjoyable. Um, and I, and I think there's a lot of kids. Now, you're, you're involved in, in BMX racing and in, and in other sports. You just see that they're not having a good time. I'm, uh, are you going to press pause for a second? Because there's someone about to knock on my door. I feel yeah, like yeah. Let's, let's, quick. Door.
0: let's do that. We'll pause. Two seconds. All right. All right. Part two of part two. Um, I think we're on Pashley, Dylan. And uh, maybe, uh, yeah, those couple years uh, after Sun.
1: Yeah, so I went to Parsley, which is an uh, English um, bike manufacturer based in um, Strappan upon avon So they're pretty much most famous for making the um, old postman bikes. They made that kind of stuff, unlike the kind of old-school delivery butcher's bikes you might see hung up in the odd butcher's um, store in, in the UK somewhere. Um, so yeah, they were really high-end um, quality bikes had some really good had a really good marketing um, guy there nick larson a really good um, like kind of engineer uh, lee prescott so yeah i went there had some did some good stuff that was the point where i got involved with got introduced to ian gunner who was the the dc uh, well new new deal skates was a computer dc um, distributor for for europe or um, for the UK, I think. So yeah, they they then um, started to to help me financially as well, um, and then they created their own um, clothing brand called Fenchurch. Who uh, they they chose me to be one of their the bike riders on that team. So again, um, helped out financially and some really you know really cool clothing stuff um, coming out of those guys. And obviously, shoes from DC was. Uh, on a monthly basis was was really cool but Ian was he was really good uh, marketing guy he's the director at, at Ride, uh, Ride UK now like covers all like surf magazines, skate magazines um, well no longer magazines online magazines um and he got me deals from like from like new era caps and stuff like that so yeah so kind of the, the end part of my career was was quite was quite rewarding as well um but yeah, it just got to the kind of got to the stage of where uh, I, you know, it had become a, an olymp it was it been announced as an Olympic discipline and kind of that's like, you know, I'm too old for that. That's not going to happen. So really I had to start to think, you know, about life kind of moving on. Um, so yeah, um, decided to retire. Um, I had ideas of, of having like, uh, like a, a mail order company and maybe a bike shop and stuff like that which i i kind of set up and done that um within the space of three years we we'd kind of taken that to to it to its to as high a level as what we could you know at the stage where we were at it was it was like starting to you know to get to the next level it was about remortgaging houses taking out you know big bank loans like a lot of risk involved and i just thought i'm just you know, I've been lucky enough to to be able to have all this stuff to doing something that I love, and I don't want to risk it all, you know, on on a retail store and a, and a kind of a, a a web a web kind of selling um, selling site. Um, I was in partnership as well. I learned a big lesson from that. I was in partnership with another guy I've met, who worked at a, another a mail order company. Um, and he was like kind of looking after financial stuff, uh, which it turned out that he he kind of wasn't to the to what he should have been. Um, so we ended up having to having to close that down, which was quite um which was quite quite sad. Um, I thought I was going to lose quite a lot of friends that are, are, in the industry because I was dealing with a lot of friends like Ian Morris at four down, Stuart seventies, you know, all, all those kind of guys. But they were they were you know they were really cool about it. No, because it was like a real it kind of shut down sudden kind of we, we disappeared pretty much. Um and they, they got to know about it later. Um so yeah, that was that was that. And then um this is quite a funny story. Um I kind of thought I'd always thought about coaching. I would kind of work with bike riders in the club and all that, my local club and stuff. And uh I bumped into Brian Barton. somewhere. That, does
0: Brian still work at British cycling?
1: He's a he's a consultant for British Cycling now. He's not a full time employee or you know something.
0: If Brian's listened to this, shout out to Brian Barton and I apologise yeah. for being rude to you many times as a, as a yeah. I lived in the UK and I apologise to Tony Fleming as well. But. Um, mm-hmm. I always saw that Brian went on to British Cycling, and yeah, good guy that he's still around. You know, it shows his passion. Oh, you know? so, he's so yeah. he's so
1: amazing. He's still coaching. He's still coaching BMX at, at the National it's Cycling Centre. still he still uh, yes. he's still tutoring. So I do I do like workshop kind of stuff where we try and. Upskill um, BMX coaches when when we learn about new stuff um, like so I like deliver like workshops and stuff like that and he's the first person to like to sign on to that stuff and be there he's still learning oh, good I good still good. see him I see him you know at least once a week every week sometimes oh, get the well, pleasure. Send him of if books. he doesn't
0: listen to this tell him I said hi because yeah he's yeah. one you know he came from MBMXA BB yeah. uh, so gotta be one of the last man standing from the old days you know.
1: Really, like, yeah, especially, and he's done a lot. He's done a lot for the sport and sport cycling as well. And you know, he's worked in pretty much every department of British cycling. And yeah, it's a really, yeah. really, really cool guy. I will tell him that you said hi. He'll be super stoked on that. Yeah, that's Cool, <laughs> Good Brian. Cool. And so, look, so yeah, they kind of just yeah, decided to to to. Um, he he said, British Cycling are starting this new program. Um, they've they've been given all this funding to um, start this Go Ride program, which basically the motto was, you know, finding the next uh, the next generation of, of champions. Um, and I went for my very first job interview there at 33 years of age, which was which was quite funny and nerve wracking at the same time. Um, and yeah, got got that job, and uh, I've been there ever since.
0: Did you, you know, people ask me all the time, why is Dylan not the coach of GB? I, I seem to remember back at the start, you was a, you didn't want to do it, right? Was that, was that, did I get that right?
1: I didn't. Yeah, kind of, because I wasn't a coach; I was a bike rider, and I kind of didn't want to go back into the, into the, to the melting pot. Really, kind of, we'd, had been, you know, I've been lucky enough to be a pro bike racer, and for I think it was like, you know, maybe sixteen years or whatever it was, and you know, it's pretty mind. Um, draining, you know, when you come out the other end, and I kind of just didn't want to jump straight back into that, into that, you know, that performance kind of thing where, you know, I have got to produce, you know, the next world and Olympic champions and, and all that kind of stuff. So I wanted to learn to be a coach first, um, and and over over the you know over the ten years that I've been there, I've uh, I've learned I've learned a lot about coaching and how to coach, um, but obviously the. The coaches that were there in, while i was was doing my you know go ride kind of british cycling role um, um they were kind of you know they were building their team around them and their team that that worked best for them i i went for i went for interviews um for for um the, the development um so the coach under grant i uh, didn't get that that went to uh, Marcus, who's still in that, still in that post now. Um, and I also went for the the role, what was the apprentice coach, which um, that was the role that disappeared, that Mark Seaman done. Uh, and I didn't get that. And at that point, I, th- I just thought, you know what? like huh. it's kind So who of- got it if you didn't get it? So that, that market, that, the job interview that I went for, Marcus got given that job. He got interviewed for that job and they gave it to him. Um, and the job that Mark Seaman got, I went for that job as well. And but Mark Seaman got got that role as well. So yeah, that was um, that was a bit thinking. Right, well, I'm kind of I don't fit in there. Um, but it, it's it's changed a lot now. Um, Marcus, obviously, I've left that Go Right program and I'm now. We've got a new department. It's called the Sport Department, where this talent development program sits. So that's the role that I'm in now. So it's not. It doesn't come under GB Cycling Team. It comes under British Cycling. So um, do you deal with Kai
0: Evans and and the whites and all that stuff, or are you? No. So I've never. So um,
1: Kyle was 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 with me. Um, I kind of like at the coached start, him. Right. Yeah, yeah. At the start, and and then help. We, we set up a, a team, um, like a coaching company called Hard Knocks, to support him. We had a team. That's when he was on like Standard, where Rick supported us, uh, trolley Designs, all the, all those guys. So we built that around him, and then obviously he got selected for GB, and he moved on to Jeremy Hayes at first, and then obviously when Grant, Katie worked under Marcus, um, and then and then Grant. Um, but I've I've built a a kind of a Rebuilt relationship with Marcus now. Obviously, Marcus is is just looking after all of that. It's not not. I don't think it's official yet. I think he's just been asked to to deal with it while they're still trying to figure out what what to do.
0: Are they they, going with with PH? Is he going to be replacing, or you guys are just going to do it without anybody?
1: say that again? Sorry.
0: So now PH left, obviously. So it's just basically Marcus is just going to kind of do that part now. Then, so they're not bringing anybody else in. It's kind
1: of. I don't see. The, you know they're not advertising I think Marcus wants to do that role um and and that yeah that's pretty much where it where it's gone everybody seems seems happy with that um my my program completely crosses over with that program now where it's never ever done that before like there's a clear pathway for bike riders now like from club level bike riding into GBCT like there's a clear step where there used to be like really big voids. So the, the the I have like three parts to my job. So it's uh, development centres which are out in in the five different regions in the UK, and then we select as a criteria and clubs. Um, regional coaches nominate bike riders um, to to come to the next stage, which is RSR, called Regional School of Racing. So they're small appeals of talented bike riders that's where that's where i bleed from that point and then i select bike riders from the best riders from all the five regions to attend nsr um, sessions uh, which is like that transition from the five to the eight and like more more refined kind of coaching stuff and they start to sit workshops and learn about becoming the athlete and taking ownership for themselves and, and stuff like that and obviously if there's any intake into gb that's where Marcus Marcus will select the riders from that NSR program. Um, so so it's very very close um, closely together now, and Marcus is 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 really is really supporting that program. Like we do certain sessions where GB and NSR sessions are together, um, which which would never never have happened um, before. Um, with previous coaches so yeah it's in quite a good place but uh, he we just don't know what what I don't know I don't I don't ask what the situation is above me about what they're doing Um, I just deal with the bike riders I've I've, I've got we've got some so they they all made so the the last uh, racing under the roof round last weekend in Manchester so all my 16 year old NSR bike riders I've been saying to them, you know, over the space of 12 months, if you've got aspirations to go to the top, you're not showing that by staying in 16-year-old boys when you can quite clearly make that transition into championship men, you know, and they all did that for the first time this weekend. So it was quite a special weekend. And I think some of the GB bike riders were had a had a shock, you know, because once they get that GB jersey, they're comfortable. You know, they don't see where there's any challenge coming from. But this talent program now is pretty much showing them that there is bike riders here still with aspirations to 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 be where you are now, and they'll work really hard to to take that. So there, uh, yeah, there was a few a few shocks at the weekend, which was really good to see, yeah, like like the, 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 the 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 top end of the sport and getting back to a good place in the UK. So. Yeah, it seems
0: like there's some depth now within the, uh, the, the elite crew. Um, so what, tell, tell us a little bit about what you think about, about, um, yeah, the current guys, obviously Evans, uh, the white brothers, Quillen. I mean, you got to be impressed with, uh, little white, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, just again, just uh, the work ethic
1: is obviously coming out, uh, Peckham and, you know, the, the area and the, you know, the, the support from CK and stuff like that, you know, the, 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 they really, they really teach them um, to, to, it's all about working hard, you know, if you want to get to the top, you need to work hard, where I think we've been through a generation after our generation where nobody was willing to actually put the work in, they kind of kidded themselves thinking, yeah, well, I'm working hard enough, where it's like, well, if you want to get to the top, you got to, you've got to work 10 times harder than what you're doing now, and I think those guys have I've started to get that back. I think Trey and Kyle realised that a bit late. Um, they, they've still got a chance, I guess. But if they would have learned to work really hard right from the right from the get go of their GB GB time, I think that they could have been where they are now a bit earlier, which which would have been which would have been better for us. I think we've been really lucky to have Sinead and Liam. As a you know, as GB bike riders, because if we didn't have them too, then there'd be those guys would have, wouldn't really have had that much to look at and to aspire aspire to. So yeah, I think I think Kai is 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 special. I just you know, I just hope that he he sees he sees the potential that he's got and and carries carries on the the work rate that he that's got him to where where he's got to now. And just you know, they, you know, you know as well as I do, they've got to. If you want to get right to the top, you've got to up your game from you know from being an amateur to, to to getting into those elite ranks. So, so yeah, I think the um, you know and the likes of Paddy as well. You know, Paddy's skill level is absolutely phenomenal, but I also think that I don't know whether it. I don't know whether it. They get comfortable there. You know, I'm still of still the kind of thing I was taught by my dad. You know what I mean? If to like, if someone needs to kick up the ass, kick them up the ass. You know, if someone needs an arm putting around them, you put your arm around them. They they kind of don't. At times, I'm looking at them going, kick them up the ass. You know what I mean? It, it, it kind of they, they just seem a bit a bit comfortable. I think I think Kyle has you know he's obviously had a, a couple of the last eighteen months has been really good. And I, I really hope that he, he pushes on. And, and gets gets his gets his rewards, you know, be, before the end of his career, um, and, and, and Tokyo and stuff like that. Because yeah, he, he's he works really hard now. And he's really dedicated, which he has been for you know a number of years. But he, uh, he he does deserve it with the work that he puts in. So so hopefully that'll come. Yeah,
0: no, interesting stuff. All right, before we because we've got loads of questions on Facebook. Um, last, just before we go into those questions, I wanted to tap on those last couple of years of racing. So. Tell us a little bit about your rivalry. I guess it would—I would say Kelvin in the UK and in Europe, Robert De Wilde, right? Maybe a few of the battles the last couple of years with them, dudes.
1: Yeah, so we towards the end of the career, obviously Martin.
0: Um, oh, I've uh, got to talk about—well, so chop my head off. I know you probably don't want to talk about it, but yeah, my Mori as well, obviously. <laughs> yeah, so he—that was at
1: that stage where I was kind of. Um, you know, not not knowing kind of what where I was going, what I was doing, that something had ended, stuff like that. And um, Martin was really working, really really hard, and won that uh, won that title in that last main of the year at Farnham, in which we which he you know he truly deserved. He he, he absolutely smashed um, smashed it that year. So yeah, still congratulations. In fact, I'm actually looking at the Foster Brothers number plate we traded with the... Um, um, uh, between each other, I think that might have been the year after, actually, yeah, because that one's got, that one's got one on it, yeah. So I think he gave me that back. I think the year after, um, in a controversial bike race, if you remember it. Um, so we, uh, yeah, so we, we battled it out that year uh, and won that title. I think the following year was the was the Mansfield episode. I think I think that was maybe was that what was that, that what year was that? You remember?
0: 2000
1: ish right 2001 maybe i was in the us but i remember reading about it it? there was some controversy there Uh, i ended up winning winning the title back um so yeah but it was just those years it was kind of like it was bike racing you know just trying to trying to earn money to pay pay the bills and and stuff like that you know um and it was it was difficult it was difficult at the end and I, you know you're asking those questions what you get asked so much why didn't you go to america you know and i've had to answer all them questions in my own head and the, the only thing you know i started i built when i turned pro like i said i bought my first house in i was like 1920 you know i started to build the life here you know what i mean it was it was kind of the stage you know um where i was about to um you know, have st- thinking about kids and, and relationships and all that kind of stuff and it was just like you know this is not this is what's not it's not going to carry on paying um, for, for me to be a pro bike rider uh, and yeah so I had to make that kind of decision to to move on which is you know you, you've done it it's difficult I remember speaking to Liam you know not 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 long ago obviously he was forced to retire so I was I tutor, like, level two BMX coaching um, courses. So um, so people who aspire to be coaches, I, I do the level two BMX specific. So I kind of do the, the tutoring stuff and then do the assessments for them. Um, so Liam um, came on one of those, which was really cool. You know what I mean? Like, the people were blown away that he was sat in the room. But he, he, he wanted to be a coach and he was aspiring to do it. He's doing it the right way, getting his qualifications. And obviously went on, went on to do that. And we spoke about, you know, transitioning from being a professional athlete into, you know, into like kind of normal society, which is, which isn't, it isn't easy, you know, because if you think about it, it's like, you know, when I rolled for Sun, I didn't, I didn't do, I didn't have to do anything, you know, plane tickets, faxed to me, cars picked me up, take me to the airport, you know, somebody met me at the airport would, you know, I'd, take my bike box and bag off the conveyor belt, put it on the trolley but as soon as I walked through them sliding doors you know there was somebody there to take that off me and you know and, and I, I, you know we were really really spoiled um, if you think about it but that's that's kind of what we were employed to do we were there to to win bike races and and people looked after us you know to to keep them in jobs but uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was really difficult. Um, and I think the shop thing wasn't wasn't kind of my thing, I think because of traveling so much, you know, going and opening the same door every day, like standing in the same shop, in the same office, doing that kind of stuff. I started to think that wasn't for me. Uh, but the coaching thing really, really got me. I was out, out in the fresh air, you know, with kids riding bikes, and it, yeah, it's, uh, it's been, it's been a really, a really great ten years in British Cycling. Absolutely amazing. Cool. But well, Definitely the, the transition from, um, from professional athlete into, into into work and getting up and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, was 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 a tough one, definitely.
0: We touched on that with the last podcast. you listened to it? Just to the podcast with Eric Carter, and he talked about the same kind of thing, a little bit more in detail about you know, you know, when the lights go out and your career's over and you move into normal life, and a lot of friends disappear. And uh, it's yeah. really a good subject uh, to to share. And obviously, it's happening, continuing all the time. People are always end in the careers and or coming yeah. to the end, and it's good to maybe. Share those experiences with these kids today. You know, um, well, some some things to maybe help them. What say, that's what I say to parents. Parents like
1: you know, thank you, like, thank me all the time. By honest like, thank me all the time, and I just say, I just say to them, look, I just would love to give as many young people the, the to have the experiences within this sport that I've had. You know what I mean? If I can, if I can help with that by making them, you know, a much better a better bike rider and into a faster bike racer then, then that's absolutely brilliant because we were we did live you know a, a fantastic life you know traveling the world you know being paid to do what we love um visiting the payout window pretty much week in week out getting more money and it was just you know free free product arriving at the door every day you know just just absolutely spoiled but amazing times
0: yeah, no, I think it's very important to 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 share those stories for uh, yeah for, for today's kids and that maybe it can help them. You know, for the ones that are you know maybe coming to the end themselves. Um, let's go to some of these questions on Facebook, Dylan. There's a lot, so we'll maybe breeze through as many as we can before we uh, end this uh, poddy. Uh, first one here I see is uh, Jonathan Cryer. I think I remember Jonathan Cryer. He was uh, Paul used to. Uh, he was smooth little rider, wasn't he? Right? Um, Paul used to. like to dunk, uh, he had a diamond back out or something. But anyway, one of his questions was you know, obviously, you've rode for so many cool bike brands and stuff. What was your favourite bike look that you had?
1: Um, definitely um, for, for kind of race stuff, which uh, is definitely the sun, the sun era. Um, and always obviously always love like the the snm stuff but my 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 main connection was was with um standard bike company i still ride a, still ride a standard bike 125r today all the standard products on there so yeah standard was in the you know when we used to go to orlando for the first um, race of the year you know the, the the black and gray with a bit of red and the shift pants and the, the actual standard bike crew, you know always always was one that stood out for me.
0: Yeah, all right, next one. Karen Grant. I know Karen. Uh, she lives in Bournemouth. Uh, she says uh, she says you know everybody everyone says smooth as we all know, but uh, she says, uh, what was your best race? And obviously there's been a lot.
1: Uh, I think the race I enjoyed the most was was the MBL Christmas, Christmas classic. classic. I just used to love that 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 scene there, and I think that there was a I don't remember what year it was. You probably remember. <coughs> Excuse me. I think Stumpy, me and Stumpy were were single A. Um, I. It you, right? was in the Sun Green era, era. It was still Sun Chippy at the time. I was on a Chrome Sun. I think he was on Powerlight, and we did. Uh, we bat, he won one day, and I won the second day. But yeah, I love that bike race and and the fact that I got to to win win that bike race was was really cool. So yeah, yeah I love that.
0: Definitely goes down as one of the, my favourite races as well. Uh we got one here from Aggie from Germany. I don't know if you remember Aggie. He's been on a couple of Garrett uh, trips to those oh, yeah, universities. Yeah, yeah, he comments yeah. on a lot of my stuff and he's a pretty funny guy. Um he says any and again a question that's been asked so many times any regrets not moving to the US? No you kind of you kind of touched on that already.
1: Yeah, I don't. I just I think I was young, and I, I kind of you know. So you knew that you know after after the British Championships, the last five race of the year, we you know we were all on plane. The following week and would would be doing you know at least a few months over there and kind of trying to get used to living that life over there. And it just I think I was just young, and I don't you know if I said I regretted it, then it would be it kind of because I, I don't really you know. It's like I, I try, I did try um to 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 go over there and try and start to live that life and it just it just seemed like it wasn't for me for some reason maybe because and and that's the only answer i can can kind of give it the fact that i think i was young Um, but no i don't know i don't regret it not at all
0: uh ollie daniels he says what was uh, you said your best bike then so maybe the best team you've rode for best brand um
1: definitely definitely some without a shadow of a doubt just just for the fact that they they kind of they worked so hard for us. Like all our bikes, all our team bikes were all hand built in the in you know in the factory in France. We you know I, I I remember watching my personal, and they were all built to the you know specifications that we wanted. Any any slight changes that we wanted, and they were done. Like obviously, I like to have a little bit of a shorter back end than, than Christoph did and Thomas and those guys. And yeah, and they just they looked after us so well, and and the the, the product was was absolutely, you know, they were the first ones to really start looking into that for racing teams, like the, the product and stuff that we use, like how Mavic produced tools and stuff that. But... Sorry,
0: that's my phone calling at the same time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Sun was yeah. like GT of the 90s, wasn't it? You know, it was, uh, yeah. it was like F1 style, you know? Yeah, definitely, yeah. So and it's been, that question was from Ollie Daniels, and a big shout out to Tracy Bradshaw because Ollie always oh, tags it. So <laughs> Yeah. So I know a bunch of the English guys will get that one. I think uh, Tracy's even got her own sticker now, so she's making quite a. Ollie's making quite a name for himself for his uh, for his girlfriend, tagging her in on uh, all the cool posts. Uh, so thanks yeah. for that, Ollie. Uh, yeah. Next one here is from Angel. I know Angel. He lives in Colombia. He says, uh, "What did you think about the old Titan frames?" and uh, We've definitely got to talk about, you know, for the for the five guys that get this one, Bob leaving them in the kiln, or didn't leave it in the kiln long enough. So tell us a bit about your uh, what your, your, your Titan bike. I mean, the look was, I'm looking at the picture now, uh, just so cool that that uniform was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Still, I'm looking at that,
1: no goes jersey on my wall right yeah. now. Um, so yeah, um, obviously that and that era where all the minibikes and the titanium and stuff like that. So again, that was all like real precision handmade stuff. Um, super site when I when, when we made the the connection with them guys got to go out to um, Oregon to to meet Bob Fury and Scott and, and hang out and see see what they do so yeah it was um it was good it was really good the bike the bike was good i remember coming back from that trip from america um needing a longer bike and he had um, a prototype frame forks that was longer uh, which i came back with um, from America, so yeah, that's like it was a one-off, a one-off bike as well. Yeah, so I, I really enjoyed my time with Titan. Yeah, the, the look was was super cool as well.
0: Did when you went to Sun then? Did because obviously your your parents and uh Jeff and Cynthia ran the whole Titan thing in the UK. So when you went to Sun, did was that kind of like the end of Titan then? Because I think them guys went to Cyclecraft, or maybe it already ended. Right, they was already doing Cyclecraft, yeah,
1: right? Yeah, Yeah, so that's when they started uh, dealing with cycle craft and UGP and all that kind of stuff.
0: Okay, got it, got it. All right, next one here is uh, Julian Allen. He says, uh, what happened at the park in Wigan? Now, the park was a club, uh, like a big rave thing, right?
1: I know. I think he's on about the park where we, uh, Three Sisters National, where we went and hung out at the park. And I think uh, there was a little bit of uh, trouble with with the law. uh, We'll we'll blame somebody Hyde
0: for that one then. (laughs) So you know,
1: yeah. <laughs> some of the guys um, acting in ways they shouldn't have acted, I think. So, yeah, I think that's what he's referring to. All right.
0: So I'm just uh, – all right. Another one, because you always like to so say just such a great look on who whichever team. Ian Donovan, um, I see him regular on Facebook. He um, said, what was your favorite kit, uh, JT? But um, we might have spoke about this in the first one. The, you know, you wrote for JT Bones on a free agent mini. But there wasn't. Yeah. There's not that many uh, pictures around because it's kind of when there wasn't much going on in the early '90s. But I always thought that was a cool look as well. So yeah, what was your favourite favourite look? Uh, so
1: I've, I've been looking at to ride for loads of them, so it's um, that Robinson definitely definitely uh, a highlight with like the original Robinson with like the, the Max M1 pants and Max gloves and stuff like that. Where in the days of Max seat covers. Um, obviously with Alan, um, and then later later down in my career, which was a different uniform. But again, like the free agent uniform as well, that classic yellow with the uh, baby blue free agent logo on yeah. the front, The super cool one. JT Bones was, was was awesome. Again, Titan, you know, Sun, all every single one of those kits, all like the different green kits that we had through the years, then the blue kits, super cool. Um, I've just I, I've just got a. The new standard race jersey with my name on the back as well, which is which is like I kind of re- get things like that and think, oh, I might actually do a couple of races just so I can wear that. So yeah, I've been been like really lucky to to have you know to to have I've had so many opportunities to ride for to uh, really cool teams that have all had really cool looks. So yeah, there's a lot. I don't think I can just pick one.
0: What's uh, say you've all, you, we'll just talk about it just a second. If you just say you was racing again now and you got to, who who you could what look do you like now then if, uh, as, as regards to teams if you were if, if you was going to get ride for another team outside of standard?
1: Um, I like I like the chase look really like the chase look. I think um, <clears throat> Connor and yours and look absolutely always look amazing. Like really well, you know. You know what I was like for a colour match. Yeah. So there Well, Chris, the, I was
0: like you a lot as well, wasn't yeah. he? Liked the very important the image part of it as well, you know.
1: And I think that 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 all comes from being a part of that Sun brand. That was that was what it was built on. So so yeah, I think I definitely want to be definitely want to be a part of that if I raced again.
0: Yeah, cool, cool, cool. So we got a lot of people left comments here, just talked about, you know, being smooth and a lot of respect for your bike riding. Dave Godfrey here said he could have just stuck Dylan on a grifter and he would have still won and looked just as good. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm just scrolling now, now. Uh, well, there's so many. I, I know I just read a you. Um, tell us about your, why, why I'm looking for another question. Uh, Thomas Alliag. So obviously you... You rode with Thomas, we saw, like you, he kind of came after you came, you know, a year later we saw him all come in and then, uh, you know, obviously battled with him a lot in Europe and you uh, was teammates as well. So give us you, your thoughts on, you know, Thomas as a person and, uh, you know, battling with him as well. Amazing, absolutely amazing. I remember,
1: remember like, vividly, like, being at all those indoor races at Tours when he was part of, like, the, 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 the Sun Yellow team, which was, like, the, the co-team. Um, and 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 having so many like great great kind of races, but being really unlucky not to win, and that was kind of keeping him out. I remember, can't remember what year it was. He, he kind of started to, to piece it all together. And the following year, I remember Jean luc saying to me that he was gonna he'd been brought into the first team, which which was really good. So yeah, I got to spend all, you know many years traveling with with Thomas and, and riding tracks and out of a competition environment and just seeing just what an amazing you know bike rider he was um and ballsy bike rider as well like he'd be the first to jump like we go to some trails and the biggest jump there he'd be the first one to hit it um and yeah he's a he, he really really cool guy obviously again very passionate about the sport ended up you know being a, a really high level coach at UCI now in his in his own right and helping bike riders you know, to to possibly get to the level where where he was for so many years. No, I think so yeah, still... super cool guy. So yeah, so I hope you're well, Thomas. Coach of
0: <laughs> Brazil. I think he just commented actually today on the on the post. So uh, he says best style ever. So to get a to get that from Thomas has got to be pretty cool. Um... Yeah, thanks, man. And, uh, it, that, yeah, I mean, stuff like that means a
1: lot. You know, we spent a long time together in a in a very what what could have been a, a very. Um, hard environment obviously because we all ended up being elite riders on the gate together but we we managed to stay you know really good friends off the track which was which was cool
0: and i I get you know there's certain people that i get questioned i always get why don't you podcast this guy why don't you podcast you know this person i i get a lot for and i got it again today on this post why don't i do a podcast with thomas definitely would like to uh at some point, you know, I just never see him. Thomas is, I think Either. he's training in Brazil now. and um, yeah. But I'm sure at some point we'll be able to link up and do one. I think it'd be awesome Definitely. to do one. With I think
1: he'd be, be cool for
0: that. Yeah,
1: stuff needs to get his ass. Well, has yeah, know, I was
0: going to cool. tell you, the other big three I get asked all the time is Christoph, Gary Ellis, probably more yeah. than anybody, and Neil Wood. I yeah, got thanks. Neil Wood again last week, so I actually text him. I'm like, look... Um, do you want to do one? he told me a couple of years ago no so his first response was was uh, i could even read the text now actually it's pretty funny i says uh let me find it real quick um yeah i asked him a couple years ago if he'd do one he says no i want to be in the background uh so i asked him again the other day i says uh you know uh, are you up for doing a podcast yet He says, I've got nothing to talk about unless you want to know about Disneyland, the rock pools in Laguna Beach, and swim practice. (laughs) So, full dad life. But uh, anyway, he came around. We talked a little bit. He said he's going to think about it. So, for all those Neil Warder, potential podcast fans that want to hear Neil, we we still might get him on. And actually, uh, text Grot Bags to, uh, to, to hammer him a little bit as well, try and motivate him. I'm not um, sure
1: whether he drinks anymore, but it'd be good to have him drunk.
0: When he <laughs> no, he's very mellow now. He's very uh, family man. So I think, cool, man. Uh, I think it's not the wild Neil we're all used to. But anyway, it'd be great if Neil does come on. Uh, we've got another question here. Simon Patton, uh, Cy Patton, we know Cy does a lot of the mountain bike stuff and puts on events that he does the Malvins. So um, yeah, I know he put that on this year and it was a success and I know he's doing it again. So Cy asked a, he's asked a bunch of questions we already kind of talked about. You know, he asked about the Sun Chippy deal racing downhill at Bingley Wood. That might have been the one you won then maybe. He did mention that Absolutely one. Well. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, he just want to say hi. Hi I to your dad. I think it was over Sheffield where it was. Uh, so and yeah, I mean, hey so are you well? Uh, Cartwright. I know Glenn. I think I sold him a bike at some point down the road. He says, uh, where did the narrow bar grip influence come from uh, what, or was it just a personal preference? So I don't,
1: I don't think I don't think I was the first one.
0: I think Nico Dos wanted. I think.
1: No, well, I think so. Yeah, I think it was. I think he. I don't think it was narrow bars. I think ODI long necks came out, and that just that bars were made narrow first. But those longer grips took it over the bend, and then people started to cut. he didn't have ODI long necks? Or, yeah, did kind of cut their bars down to get the look, maybe. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't. I don't remember where that came from, but I think it's possibly him.
0: I do remember Grotwax cut his cruiser bars too far. Do you remember that? He, he cru- that. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, I know yeah. you're listening. When you cut yeah. your cruiser bars way too. <laughs> it's yeah. like he's had his hands on the stem. Yeah, that's funny. I remember a lot of people doing that, just guessing it, or cutting one side shorter than the other. Yeah, I've done that as well. I yeah. don't <laughs> wow, new bars. Um, Rich Eames, he says, get the lowdown on his new team setup. So have we got some scoop coming up or um anything you want to tell us about or you got some stuff in the oh,
1: yeah, world so, uh, the company the the private kind of coaching company hard knocks which we've kind of had it's not it's nothing big it's nothing you know we we um i've supported a bike rider who, who's a local bike rider she's a gb athlete ellen stafford um, and she just left the team that she was riding for and we said we'd look she said i'd help her look for something else and then she come up with the the idea said so, well if you make a hard notch jersey and i'd race in that so kind of we went from there and then um we we decided i was getting text messages from here there and everywhere and kind of didn't really want to do it and then i don't know whether you're aware of a, a little little guy um, called james clitheroy rides for he rode for ftb so he i worked with work with him uh it was like world number two um and he's also come up Cross and it's going to ride for the team so it's just those two bike riders <clears throat> who are going to help support and a couple of kids who were, who were going to say like are on a development squad um, so there's um, a kid called Jamie Hargree's local kid from from my area and Ashton Cooper who's another kid who, who were going to be a, a little bit of a development squad and and help them develop and and possibly make the jump into into that first team you know, late years but it's kind of they're going to the, the parents are going to look after it it's no real it, it, like, like what you said I'm just going to help them you know especially the the two the two senior riders just help them get the stuff that they that they kind of deserve you know like not paying for the bike frame that they're riding for and the uniform that they wear so yeah just just going to help them in that way where I can
0: uh, we've got another one here from Julian Allen, who you, not only raced, but he's a he's a coach as well. So it's just I guess he said he was talking to you yesterday. High respect to you, one of the best coaches in the game. Uh, but he did have a good question here. It says, uh, with 158 French riders at the first World <laughs> Cup this year, and obviously Joris leading the charge in the elite classes, what are the French doing? What are the French doing? What nobody else else is obviously, obviously doing? And you obviously have a lot of... Experience with 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 racing a lot, you know, during your own career in France. So why why are the French so good?
1: Because they're just open and honest, and they give bike riders the opportunity. You know what I mean? It's just like they give them the the chance when they when they see something. It's like access to eight meter hills and stuff like that. Like where English guys are being held back all the time. This talent program has now given them given them that opportunity where they're not afraid to just like yeah, like come along. Let, let's give you the information. Let's see. Let's see where you go. So it, it's been it, it, this. This talent program has now started to do that. You know, we're giving more bike riders more opportunity at the right time. So hopefully, you know, further down the line, we'll be in a we'll be in a similar position.
0: Cool. Uh, this is uh, one here. I guess in the first podcast we talked about uh, when you guys, you and Jamie and, and grotbags uh, drove Pistol Pete's number one truck back from the grounds that he won. Back to California and was talking about that. Alan Foster literally had a picture of it and posted it on here, which is pretty cool. So, shout out to Alan. I know he listens to all the podcasts. He always shoots me a text when he likes them, and uh, it's uh, cool to. So that was cool. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was a good trip. A really good
1: experience.
0: so i'm just kind of scrolling here again I'm a lot of shout outs you know nick lacey a guy you battled with paul bliss yeah. tony holland obviously was one of your the guys you looked up to that's a that's a good one because tony posted the picture which we've seen you know numerous times of you Geth, and tony battling at uh, battling a session in broad marsh uh, the yeah. of broad marsh which uh, was a cool spot that's not there any longer um you've got so many great pictures in magazines what were some of your, your some of your favorites maybe over the years uh- that is probably that one, my favorite
1: photograph of all time. That, that one, that one photo of Brough Banks.
0: You know I'm uh, actually from... going to uh, pull that aside. I don't think Guest got the original to that, so I'll try yeah. and uh, try and get a yeah, bit Donovan, of. Donovan, who uh, took that picture. Donovan I Pennant, Pennant, I think his name was. From Nottingham, he was yeah. a lot of. Uh... Yeah. Uh, okay, so a few more pic- a few more uh, questions here. Uh, uh, Ad Warden. He's a whole yeah. long one else. you got any scoop from his ninety six Brits win? Well, you, I remember I got second behind you, so uh, well, it was well. a slab.
1: Mm, I don't remember, I don't remember having any scoop. Yeah, no, sorry, <laughs> no, no scoop no, 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 obviously we battled all day. Yeah, and, again, a wide open long ass track, so no, I don't I don't, no, I don't no scoop.
0: No scoop, AD. We need to see you uh yeah, uh-huh. just a long one. Uh, I, Geneva, that was the track I was talking about. So Yemi here, I know Yemi comments quite a bit on the podcast stuff. He says he was living in Geneva in Switzerland between ninety five and ninety eight during the time in Geneva, uh, which hosted the European Championships. And obviously we've already spoke about that earlier when you doubled both uh, both days. So um, yeah, like I say, still still that track still going strong today, which is cool. Um, yeah. I'm just uh, going through a few more here. Who were some of the guys and, um, yeah, I don't know, some of the uh, people you, you like to race against, who you didn't like to race against, you know, amateur, pro? Um, I, like you know, I don't really, didn't really build any kind of really big rivalries with, with anybody. You kind of seem
1: to always get on with people off the track and then kind of do the battle on and then be okay when you cross the finish line. Um, I was never a winter bike racer. I always remember people um, beating me like at, at winter, like club races and regionals. Who who were new, which is better riders in the winter, never that good. And, um, but yeah, uh, kind of. I remember a little kid, Paul Webster, who rode for Redline um, in like in late eighties, early yeah late eighties. That would have been. He was super good in the winter. He was really small. They always used to pass me around the track, and I used to get pissed at that. <laughs> but but yeah, no, yeah, no, no one really kind of that that's kind of the relaxing scene that, that we were lucky enough to to be involved in through through that era. That there was no real you know, no real rivalries like hatred between anybody, right? So, yeah, cool.
0: Robert Jacobs from Holland, hi Robert, hi. Um Hello. 90s guy says, Why did you wear uh, you had a Vision, um, vision, oh no, visor. The visor of your cap was always tipped down. Why did you uh, do that? Well,
1: that was probably, was probably a of fashion at the time, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> kind, of, kind of a shady look. Um, no, no reason, just that's, that's, how I, that's how I wore it. Yeah, yeah. Tipped down at the front.
0: We got another one from a Dutch guy, Rodney Kruppes he says uh, what gearing did you use back then he says you always looked like it was so easy on the track uh, when you're racing uh,
1: 4316 uh, when I was on 20 inch wheels you are always 4316
0: oh you never did 44 i thought you was a 44
1: i did i did later on uh, but for the for the most part was was 4316
0: yeah, yeah. Okay, next one here from Sean Smith. Hi Sean. Um, he said, uh, who'd you look up to as a racer in the early days? I think you might have said it on the first podcast, was it Tony Holland?
1: Yeah, Tony Geth. Um, obviously all the American stars at the time and stuff then they were kinda of like my first first idols in BMX. Yeah, and then obviously as a as a amateur when you guys were 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 racing superclass like Geth. Uh, the Wellings, uh, you, when you turned, you know, all, all those guys, all the all the standout names, pretty much.
0: Yeah. We've got one here from your uh, good brother here, Jordan, Jordan Clayton. He says, uh, who do you think uh, is the best past and present?
1: Um, that's a tough one. Uh, present, Joris, uh, uh, at the moment, I guess, and past, for me, um, from my kind of era, looked up like King, Carter, um, Christoph, um, You Thomas, I guess all, all those kind of uh, um, from from our era, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, I think we're all the same kind of guys that we all kind of admired and respected, and we're all friends at the same time, which was cool, I think. Um, we got another one here, Mike Bags. Good, uh, always leaves lots of good questions. Uh, okay, I guess why we're on the same subject. So Mike asked a lot of questions. will last is, is top one. He says, "Who, in your opinion, is the greatest of all time?" So the goat. Who's your goat? Do you think?
1: Um, <laughs> uh, it's got to be Maris, I think, just because he, you know, the, the whole Olympic thing and stuff like that. But I think he's got to be up there. I think him, though.
0: Yeah, I think uh, you got to say. Christoph's right up there as well, you know. All right, we just got cut off at the end there. Um, I guess let's start wrapping this up anyway, Dylan. We've been talking about two hours uh, in this session. I might split it up into a part two and part three. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's finish it off. What's in the future? What's uh, just continue doing your stuff at British Cycling? Uh, Yeah, give us...
1: uh, Working with with all these talented uh, bike riders, male and female uh, bike racers from all over the UK now, giving them more opportunities, really give me kind of new lease of life. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to, you know, we've got a we've got a six year kind of plan for this programme. So really looking forward to getting my teeth into that and seeing what seeing what we seeing what we bring to the table next. I'm sure we'll have somebody big from the UK out of out of you know come through this talent programme into GB and do big things. So looking forward to looking forward to working hard with that as well. Yeah, and just you know, try and keep riding a little bit, and you know, family stuff, and you know, you know how we roll. <laughs> yeah, well,
0: that's good. actually, I saw you a little clip a few, uh, probably like last month now. You was over at Pages at his pump track and on, on your bike. So you're still riding quite a bit, then, right?
1: I try and ride like once a week at least, even if it's for a couple of hours. But yeah, I still trying. You know, it keeps me sane, so i still try and still trying to do a little bit as much as I can. You know, obviously, but work commitments sometimes sometimes into that but yeah Paige lives like 10 minutes from here so I've been, been doing that stuff and, and just kind of got a bunch of tracks around here so yeah just once a week I try you yeah, know keep my, keep my feet under the table
0: yeah no absolutely um all right if anybody wants to get hold of you or uh shout out you're on Instagram but you, you don't really post much I see you on there but you're not a big poster yeah, are you
1: yeah that'll change a little bit now with this little team stuff so yeah so at, at Dylan Hard Knocks um um, and and that, that's, that's where you can get me.
0: All right, sounds good, Dylan. Great talking as always. I know we could have gone on and on. We'll, we'll do something else down the road, I'm sure. Uh, and uh, me and Paul are going to do uh, one day. We're going to get we're going to get a sponsor and we're going to come to England with a video camera and we're going to. Go around and do a bunch of cool stuff with everybody. So that's our little goal one day, but uh, we could be a couple couple years off from that.
1: (laughs) All right, man. It's been uh, great, and thanks, thanks for the opportunity. And I'll hopefully speak to you soon.
0: Definitely. Thanks, Dylan, and we'll catch everybody later. See ya. See you later, guys. Bye. Bye.